The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful, heavy-duty, portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small, portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor-rated cast aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts, plus they're IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com. Hello, and welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's October the 27th, 2023, and this is episode number eight. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about Lexus and Infinity, both debuting sedan concepts ahead of a 2026 production, General Motors and Honda cancelling their $5 billion joint EV program, Toyota debuts an electric pickup truck and sports car concepts likely to become production vehicles, and of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the genial Mr. Tom Logney, Senior Editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. We also have the majestic Mr. Martin Lee from the EV News Daily Podcast, which is available on all the best podcast platforms. And of course, Kyle Connor joins us from the majestic, practically palatial halls of Out of Spec Studios, where he produces high-voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. And today, that looks like the inside of an EV in Europe. Belief, actually, what, yes, what EV are you? Correct. Are you in? I'm in a BMW iX M60, the spicy one. All right, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, okay, so great to see everybody. Good to have you all here, and let's kick it over to Martin now for the EV News Daily Weekly Reporting Roundup. Take it away, Martin. We'll start with huge news. BP announcing the purchase of Tesla superchargers to brand and operate themselves. First ones to do it. Now, it's a $100 million deal, which, frankly, is small change for BP, who made $72 billion last year. $100 million for them is like the money we find in our car looking for change at parking. We're like, oh, cool. Didn't know I had that. That's the level of $100 million with BP. But let's talk about what they're doing and what this means. Mark's the first time Tesla's charging hardware has been acquired for an independent EV charging network. It starts next year year at locations under any BP brand umbrella. In Houston, Phoenix, LA, Chicago and Washington DC get the first superchargers branded BP. These are fast and reliable chargers as we know because the supercharger network just works. 250 kilowatts peak speed at the minute. That's going to go up with the V4s. These are V4s they've purchased by the way. And it's crazy to see V4 superchargers. We're just getting used to what they look like. And now we see them with the BP logo on. They're going to come with Magic Dock so that you can either have NAX or CCS, at least until everyone's over to NAX in 2025. And I think Magic Dock will stick around a little bit, but it is a bit of a sticking plaster in the interim period. The chargers will have plug and charge as well. Uh, Tesla's user interface and applications will feature the third-party chargers that Tesla say match the reliability and operational standards that Tesla set. This is key. One of the key things about this, Tesla saying, hey, we'll put your superchargers on our in-car maps and the nav, but if you don't operate them correctly, we're removing them. They'll still work, of course, but we don't endorse them, if you like. There's a huge incentive 
for companies to get these operating, not just, oh, 95% uptime, but way higher than that. And BP say that they have improved recently. I've cancelled my BP Pulse membership a long time ago. I thought the network really, it, it stinks over here, was my last experience. I haven't used it in years. It may have improved. Um, I Maybe I should use them again, but I just got totally bored of just turning up at places and whole stations being turned off. And I would, you know, I complained, I raised it, didn't get a response, cancelled my membership. Uh, and good luck to BP. They've got enough money to do this properly with BP Pulse if they want to. Uh, it's huge news for others that might want to go down the same route and purchase supercharger stations. I'm. Can you tell? I'm so excited about this. Nothing against the other hardware manufacturers, but we know Tesla's really good at this. And we know Tesla will say, sure, you can buy our hardware, but we're going to keep an eye on how you're running it. And you don't want to upset Tesla, let's face it. They've also launched more than 2,000 supercharger stations across the US. The milestone noted by supercharge.info with the Tesla Mojave California supercharger with 20 stalls hitting that target. That's on top of the recent one I told you about, the big target of 50,000 supercharger individual stalls installed uh, with that distinctively colored ultra red celebrating the event. And well done, Tesla. 14 years ago, we delivered the first roadster to Europe, they say, in today. We hit a million Tesla vehicles on the road across Europe. Thanks to our owners and supporters for helping us accelerate the transition to sustainable energy. Well done for a million vehicles. They've sold five million, so a fifth of their cars are on the road here in Europe. Moving on, Rivian announcing that their Georgia factory will go into production and construction in 2024. Initially, 200,000 vehicles annually. A second phase by the end of the decade. 400,000 vehicles annually is the, the production capacity there. That's huge. ChargePoint taking steps forward with the launch of their NAX connectors. AC chargers will get the NAX connector soon. And then next month in November, the DC chargers that ChargePoint roll out will have NAX connectors on natively. No adapters. Interesting stuff. The recently released owner's manual for the Highland Model 3. Was it a badge on the back? Is it a plaid badge? Is it a ludicrous badge? Speculation that it could be called a plaid or a ludicrous Model 3 with all the various hardware upgrades you would expect over the Model 3 performance, or maybe it's a rebrand of Model 3 performance. Notable that the Highland, so-called Highland Refresh Edition, isn't on sale in performance models yet. Ford issued a recall for the Mac-E. Uh, they've done this with software until now, but they realized that the overheating in the high-voltage battery contactors couldn't be solved, uh, even with that limiting that they were doing with the software or at least extra diagnostics. And so uh, for those models from May to May, from 2020 to 2022, uh, like the extended range rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive and GT, back to your dealer and they've got to have a hardware update which will solve the problem with what they call wide open pedal events and uh, things like ultra fast charging which lead to some of the overheating issues volkswagen is going to stop selling any combustion cars in norway norway's leading the way has been for years and now we see a big name like vw saying we're just not going to sell anything that burns things in norway sold 1.1 million vehicles in the country it's not the world's biggest car market i always say this about norway it's more of an indicator than uh than being uh, something like Germany or France or the UK. Uh, however, in December, uh, no VWs sold that don't have battery power. Okay, let's move on. Samsung confirming a new partnership with Hyundai to provide batteries, marking the first collaboration between these two major, major names. They're going to be prismatic batteries uh, made in Hungary for Hyundai's European EVs starting in 2026. 
Stellantis rolled out their new EV van strategy. They want to get past Ford Pro by 2027. Key upgrades include more range and better charging. There's the small electric vans, the Citroën e-Bolingo, the Fiat e-Doblo, Opel Vauxhall Combo Electric and the Peugeot e-Partner. 205 miles on those very small vans. Nice interiors like the big 10-inch infotainment display, uh, display 360-degree cameras. These are great places to go working, by the way. These are working vehicles. Uh, also, the medium-duty electric vans get a 75-kilowatt-hour battery. That's like the e-Scudo, e-Dispatch from Citroën and the Vivaro. And then the large vans like the e-Ducato, the Movano, the Peugeot e-Boxster, uh, they have got a 110-kilowatt-hour battery, 261 miles of range on a big van like this, 150-kilowatt DC fast charging. That is fantastic news thank you so much for watching uh, i tried to keep it brief but i'm terrible at doing this our news summary you can check out the ev news daily podcast every day on your podcast apps i've got to get it back on youtube i know that i'm so bad at this uh, but thank you very much uh, let us know in the comments about what you think of any of the stories and we'll get to some of these coming up later on batteries included I just love that jingle so much. I can't tell you. It makes me smile when that comes on. <laughs> it makes it. Absolutely makes it. Well done, Martin. All right. Anytime, anytime. So listen, Don, before you jump into the podcast, I just want to um, answer one of the questions. Somebody asked, Larry asked earlier about um, why are we uh, doing our podcast at the same time inside of East? Do we have some kind of feud? And that's not the case at all, um, quite honestly. I'm still a senior editor at Inside EVs. I'll admit it's a little awkward sometimes because we decided that we wanted to do our own podcast with our own name and control all of the content. We didn't want to have somebody looking over our shoulders and and telling us what we could and couldn't do. And quite honestly, I think the four of us have built a really good thing here and we wanted to own that. And I think we had the right to. So we notified Inside EVs over the summer that we were going to do our own podcast. We told them we'd give you time to get your own thing going and decide what you wanted to do, which they decided they were going to continue. They got four new hosts. They're doing a great job. Alex, Hazel, uh, Lacey, Patrick. Um, I actually think they're doing a good job. Um, but there is an issue that we decided to keep our podcast when we were always doing it. And that's my position on it. We started this podcast. We all decided we picked the time. Inside EVs didn't tell us, you guys have to do it on Friday at 9, 8, 9, 30 a.m. We, when we started the podcast, we said we were going to do it Friday because it works for Martins in the U.K., different time zone. Now, they have a few people from the U.K., so the time zone thing also affects them. The day doesn't. Um, and my position on it is, you know, keep the the the. This is my personal position, not the official batteries included position, but the time, keep the time frame that you want, but do it on another day. It's only going to boost their ability to get some of our followers. We've built up this, this uh, legion of followers and we love you guys um, and going head to head against us in the same day in the, the same time zone, the same time, I don't think it's good strategy. I probably wouldn't do it if I was running that. But we wish them luck. Watch their podcast. Check out what they're doing over there. They're good people. They know cars. They know EVs. It's just 
I think long term they should probably move it to a different time frame. But that's my personal opinion. There's no war going on. We love those guys over there. <laughs> I, I, just, still, I still work for them as well. Like they, part of what they do is the the motor racing side, and I host the Formula One podcasts for them. On uh, you know, it's a different bit of their business, but we're all still absolutely friends. I mentioned back in March earlier this year, Tom. You mentioned the summer. I said in March it was around time. I knew it was going to be a crazy year. It was in the middle of just the last couple of weeks of Dad. We got the call to say that we could adopt the little girl. Like I, this, my personal life this year has been insane, um, for good and bad reasons, and with work and, and launching a you know business and stuff. Um, so I think I said back in it was either end of March or April to be like, hey, I want to give you six months' notice, but I'm going to try some different things. Uh, in, in my life and so yeah it's been really friendly and really amicable and, and everyone's still friends so yeah draw a line under that well i just want to say uh i really like what inside evs is doing over there editorially like their their writing team they've got patrick george now as a uh editor-in-chief and he's just really i think really improved the he's got some good writing over there and, and really on top of the news and yeah but let's move on with this show um oh we're all having oh, a massive fight and hate each other or you can choose. You, that would be more fun, wouldn't it? If, if for the for the oh, viewers, I guess. we are. No, we all, I yeah. So. I mean, the four of us don't even get on. Like we're just here smiling, but we hate each other really. <laughs> Believe that if you want. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> but 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 Kyle. So you can't stand the guy. Get out of Europe. Kyle's Kyle's actually the best. But wait, you're not uh, even in Europe. Didn't you guys leave? Well, you know, I I, 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 I sort of pick and choose when I want, really. <laughs> Um, so Kyle, you are like you told us in a BMW iX M60 somewhere in Europe. Um, you see, so you rented this BMW i uh, iX M60 from Sixth, and I just want to mention that because you have a great video about, and we don't need to talk about this a whole lot, but you have a great video about, about you know going to Sixth and renting that, and then seeing all the cars they have for rent there, which is. Um, yeah, we a lot of, a lot of cool and funky cats EVs that uh, we don't get here. Uh, so I did have one question about the iX. So so and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you say that people should go out and get the X Drive 50 instead of the M60? But you you really seem to be enjoying that M60 though. So do you really recommend still recommend the the, the 50? Hundred percent. Get the the standard non M60 iX. There's very very little benefit to the M60 and maybe I should wait until I'm left Germany to tell you what I've done with this car but uh, it's been fun lots of sideways action even though you can't like fully disable ESP the it's been very slippery out it does some fun sideways stuff uh, yeah the thermal performance on the Autobahn though is pretty brutal it's not not great uh, oh. and so the, the the big reason I got the M60 over the 50 was the 155 mile an hour top speed I wanted to go full send but you can't sustain that for that long because it l overheats. And then uh, then you're doing 130, which is where it kind of likes to just sit. And the standard car does 130. So, okay, maybe but not that. But. but will a standard car do 130 and not overheat? Or do you think it has a, the exact same cooling system? Yeah, so, so you can do 130 without overheating in this one. Uh, it's just um, – so I, I think the – both cars should be okay. It also gives you an indication when it's the motor temperature or when it's the battery pack temperature difference. Oh, nice. After a charging session, the battery's the limit. Before a charging session, if you're being aggressive on it, becomes the motors. So it's not a big deal. Just get the 50. It's more comfortable and uh, you save quite a bit of money. The acceleration on the 50 is fine. 
And uh, yeah, but, but you know, I, I'm certainly not minding my week with the M60. It's got the big sound system, great driver assistance, which works amazingly well here in Europe and uh, just, just absolutely loving it. Uh, cool. So I'm not sure. So where are you now? Actually, remind me again. Oh, so I am in Hilden, which is uh, just north of Cologne and okay. uh, on my way to... Yep, on my yep. way to the Netherlands, driving there at the moment. Oh, okay, I was wondering. I thought I was thinking maybe you'd been there to the Netherlands already, but we can't talk about that yet. I guess. Oh, we can talk about it. That's fine. We can mention what you're going. What are you going to do in the Netherlands? Oh, I'm driving Model Three Highland tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah. So to uh, some friends of mine are taking delivery, and uh, I thought, well, that that's worth it. And then we were thinking Sunday, do some Nurburgring laps with it. Don't know if the timing will work because I have a flight booked on Sunday as well. So I don't know what hours Torsten Farten is and if that will all come together, but could be fun. We could at least get the first laps. It's not really a performance car. You know, it's not the Model 3 performance. Sure. I think right. they just got a rear wheel drive. But uh, either way, just fun, fun stuff for sure. The rear wheel drive, is that with LFP? Uh, yep. So same, same drivetrain as far as I'm aware as the standard outgoing car. Okay. Well, on Sunday, you said you have a flight. You coming back home or are you going to France? Uh, Jordan's going to France for okay. the thing. But uh, yeah, I'm going home because SEMA's this week. So I'm actually going to fly into Denver. I have to review a car in like six hours. And then I have to go to Las Vegas for SEMA this week. And then I'll be Ooh. driving to the East Coast for a whole bunch of other cool stuff. That's what you told me Jordan was going already. I forgot. Okay. Yeah. I'll Great see time. him there. So just before you left to go to England, you stopped in New York City and you did this great video about a charging hub there. Um, I forget, who's the name of the, oh, the Revel, Revel Charging Hub. And that's Revel's a car sharing or ride sharing uh, a company in New York City. They're based there and they have a huge uh, charging hub in this parking garage. But you also, so, so you also made a, uh, a video about a 40 stall charging hub in in europe and i believe you you're at one right now possibly right yeah i'm at i think my favorite charging hub maybe i can even take the viewers for a quick walk around if you guys want to see the craziest charging station in the world yeah, i just yes, every time i get to one it's just crazier and crazier why don't i take you guys for a little walk if, yeah. if we have time is that okay dominic i know yeah, we got yeah, a schedule yeah. No, no, that's so, it. Or, yeah, hold yeah. on. I'm gonna I wanna see I wanna see where you're at and what's going on. All right. I'm I mean, already hot spotted. Here, full screen this, Martin. I'm gonna flip this thing around. Okay, so here I am. My IX M60 as an example. You can see a model three pulling out just here in front of me. Just to show the viewers, here is the IX. I am at a place called Seed and Greet. This is by the way, a custom electric van that they deliver bakery items in, charging here. And this is the charging hub, the Seed and Greet charging hub. There are, I don't know how many superchargers, but a ton. There's also a Neo battery swap station off to the right, as well as uh, two megawatt hours worth of battery storage over this way, which is just crazy for peak demand. They also have their own wind turbine and solar over all of the buildings. There are seven kilowatt chargers, 22 kilowatt chargers. And then FastNed also has a location here along with Tesla. And uh, they have 400 kilowatt Alpitronic units. They also have Shiko plugs. So this little Citroen IME thing, the C0 is charging. I think this is Roland's car, the owner of this place. But this is also the first time that I've been able to see the new Alpitronic Hypercharger 400s, silicon carbide, 
100 kilowatt bricks inside, all in one charger, just next level, absolutely insane. Genesis GB60 charging here, Cooper Born charging here, eGolf on the level two charger that way. They also have pull through stalls for trailers. Look at this little Peugeot E208. Very cool. Don't see anything like that in the US. But here's a pull through stall for towing on the 400 kilowatt hypercharger. And also Tesla over here has one for uh, a truck or a truck in the trailer. P4 e-tron coming through. Yeah, just absolutely crazy here. You can see the big solar inverters up top. I don't know how many hundreds of kilowatts of solar peak they have, but it's got to be a ton. So that's where I'm at. It's pretty freaking awesome. It's insane. So um, yeah, I don't know. Did I mention Neo battery swap? I'm going to film. I've already filmed a full video here, but I'm going to film another full video here now that it's kind of finalized. So just absolutely epic. Yeah, like Doug, Doug Thomas says, we need sites like this in the U.S. I'm I'm pretty jealous right now. I mean, that's that's nuts. I mean, imagine yeah. like a couple of these in like all our major cities, or a couple of these. You know, I've actually you know a dozen or so of these, and I don't know. Yeah, it's... because I'm here for a couple hours because I got here slightly early. I've just been using the 22 kilowatt charger for the IX, which has been working great. And uh, I don't actually even need to DC charge it because I've been here long enough. They have a cafe with a restaurant. I had pizza here. It was amazing. And uh, just next level. All right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty uh, pretty awesome. Got any, got any questions about that place, Tom? Well, how about price-wise, Kyle? D d d does it cost more for faster charging? Yeah, so Tesla sets their own pricing and Fastned sets their own pricing. Um, honestly, I don't know what they are offhand because they change based off of location. But I feel like even the level two is quite expensive. I think I'm paying 40 cents per kilowatt hour for 22 Ooh. kilowatt AC, 40 euro that's cents. But, uh, charging, is it the same per kilowatt hour if you were DC fast charging or do they charge your premium for that? Yeah, I don't know what their rates are because they're all from different providers. So I'm just pulling up the Tesla app right now to look. And so, so I pay for, um, yeah, it's, it's 44 cents per kilowatt hour Tesla, but it's just about to go to 50 cents. So, yeah, it's more for fast charging in this case. So, oops. So, uh, sorry. Uh, Smidge204 is asking, uh, who paid for and operates this facility? You mentioned the owner of an iMeV. Is that the owner of the whole installation? Yeah, so the guy who owns Seed and Greet, Roland Schuler, I think is his name. Never okay. met him, but know him from online. He was one of the first guys to ever buy a Tesla Roadster uh, in Europe, like hardcore EV Tesla guy, owns a whole bunch of EVs. Um, and so he basically, I guess, knew some people at Tesla and knew some people at Fastned and said, let's build something crazy. And it's this whole like sustainable thing. I have a full tour on out of spec reviews of it. Some things have been added, like the Neo battery swap station. Everything else is pretty much the same. Uh, the restaurant has a whole bunch of vegan options. I don't know. That's not my thing. I was, you know, I got a salami pizza, but, uh, you know, it's all healthy green and EV owner-esque around here. Salami sounds pretty good, i got to say. Um, but, so I wonder what the what the profitability situation is. It, it is like, I don't imagine it's making money yet, but is, I wonder if, well, like to know if there's like a path to profitability because it's got all the stuff you want, right? Solar and battery storage and amenities like, you know, cafe and, and food. 
Yeah, but keep in mind, like he didn't have to pay to put in the superchargers or the fastnet spot because right. Tesla paid for that. And I think paid for like most, I think they all, I don't know how the money all worked, but it, with so many people involved in such a heavy utilization site, I mean, this site gets used. The restaurant was jammed full when I went in there and, you know, 70% of the chargers were full. Every single fastnet Alpitronic unit was taken, all of them. Uh, wow. before so it's huge utilization here you had a crossroads from all the dutch people coming down all the french people coming over i mean you're uh, you're right in the middle of this crossroads north of frankfurt and right. so everyone comes here because we're what we're the one i'm trying to say why would you want to charge your car anywhere else this is the place to do it and uh you know so many people are out of their car taking photos even now it's been here for a year or two and uh yeah i think if there ever was a case to be profitable this might have it the the money's the profits in the food and coffee and everything. It's it's not in selling electric. The gas has a similar model. I, I used to uh, own a commercial property and my tenant was Quick Check, and uh, that's a, a a convenience store. And they they're starting to install chargers now on the property. But for years they sell gas. They have gasoline in all their new installations. And they told me flat out their business model is to break even with the gas. They don't expect to make a profit. They just want to pay what it costs to to operate it and they make all their money with people stopping to get coffee and grab something to eat. And with gas, you're in and out. So it's a really quick purchase, but with EV charging, you're lingering, you're there longer. So you're going to spend more. And uh, that's really where that's the golden goose with a, a, a site like this. I still don't know how the standalone sites that don't ha offer amenities are going to really long-term make money with electricity because there's just, there's, it's very difficult uh, business model, uh, but this, you can see how this place is going to make its money. Like you said, it's filled inside people spending money on food and beverages. Yeah, I mentioned earlier in the news section at the beginning about BP making 72 billion and 100 million on V4 <laughs> supercharger dispensers is, 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 is right. small change. And uh, yeah, people in the comments saying, yeah, it was a PR move and bada, bada, bada. But hey, it's the first time Tesla have sold hardware to anybody else and, and so it's a big deal it's a big deal uh, but not for bp it, it you know it's small change and people get upset at making 70 billion dollars on you know on selling on gas and stuff and petrol and they're not they're making 70 billion dollars selling cheetos let's face it they're not making a huge amount of money when you go and certainly here we've got huge taxes in europe i know it's less for you guys um huge duty on selling fuel and actually what the retailers if that's if it's a franchised retailer anyway then they're not making a huge amount of money. And um, I'm not saying that I, I forgive the oil business for what they've done, but I'm just, I'm just saying that all, you know, all the money for those retailers is in everything that comes with stopping to get gas and petrol and diesel and the other bits and bobs. That's why the shops are full of all the, you know, overpriced because it's convenience prices. And so, yeah, the more that EV charging can do this, I've talked long about grid serve over here as well. And the, the amount of times that if I've got anywhere Anywhere in the region of GridServe Braintree, GridServe Norwich. Not sure if Gatwick is open yet. I know it's going to be the end of this year. If I'm anywhere near, of course I'm going to pull into that because it's got a coffee shop. It's got a cafe. It's got free Wi-Fi. It's got USB charging for all my devices. It's got lovely toilets and showers. And it's just, it's and, and there's like 40 or 50 of them. So I'm always, you're always going to get a space. And I don't really mind what the price, if the pricing is 50 pence or 60 pence, that incremental difference for the few road trips that I do, it's so worth the convenience. And I'll go and spend probably another 15 pounds on and the amenities they've got there. I think when Braintree's got like a little mini gym as well, which is just yeah, go, sound, go on an exercise bike for 15 minutes while your car charges. So that's the key. And the more of the, 
these places that crop up, the more I'll stop at them every day rather than just some sort of weird off-highway. You know, and Tesla did a lot of that because of the land that Tesla could get in the early days. Um, Tesla didn't pay for a lot of their land in the early days. Like, I know I, I know cases where Tesla went to landowners and went, we'll put a supercharger on your land. And, and they were like, great, what are you paying me, Elon? They're like, no, 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 we don't pay you. You should be honored that we want to come and put superchargers where you are. Like, that... I've heard of that happening and landowners going, what? Especially the ones that don't get electric cars being like, no, you can't have land for free. And some of them got it. And we're like, yeah, sure. Welcome on. So that's, that's, yeah, yeah there's so many costs involved. Well, what's two megawatt hours of storage there? I wonder if there's not a re- revenue stream uh, dealing with the utility, like grid stabilization or, you know, selling back a bit of power now, you sure. know, back and forth. I think uh, like Tesla has a, what do you call that? A virtual grid situation set up right and that's uh that's function that's in the uk isn't it the virtual grid uh the virtual power plant yes virtual power plant yes two of them operating now uh i think a new one opened in kent recently which is the southeast outside london uh using the tesla technology there's one near me about five minutes walk that way but it's not very big Uh, right again they've got the mega packs but I, but I think this is something that you know you can do with when you have a, like on on site storage like that, especially if you can hook them together, whatever. Anyway, it's possible, Don. But look at how many plugs there are there. I know two megawatt hours sounds like a lot, but look right. at the amount of chargers they yeah. might need that just to shave you know the 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 peak uh, draw. So true. It, well, true, true. they also only have a five megawatt connection to the grid that I was looking at. And okay. um, they, they needed the batteries here to put this many chargers in. Yeah. And That's so it's that, that grid connection is just ripping all the time. And then everything's pulling off the batteries. Cool. I, I, I would like to hear from like the owner or whatever exactly how all that works. You know, what's just, you know, the flow. Yeah. So last power. time I was here, I researched how it all works and I went through the whole power flow. So that's already on YouTube. Uh, okay. But I want to talk about the pricing with Roland. I messaged him uh, only a few minutes ago. I haven't heard back. Oh, maybe he just got back to me and uh, maybe not. Anyway, okay. yeah. So uh, I was like, hey, dude, I'm here. If you want to make a video, let's go. So, yeah, we'll see. Right on. Uh, well, we'll keep our eyes peeled up for that. Um, so this week, Tom, you put out a, a piece on Inside EVs. Speaking of Inside EVs, uh, for the video about the Cadillac Lyric asking if it can charge quickly enough for road trips. I think we've talked about this before in the past somewhat, but is there anything anything new on that? So b- basically, if you remember, we talked about when I rented a Lyric about three months ago, I did some DC fast charge recordings and the results weren't great. And uh, I did them on Electrify America chargers. And a lot of people questioned, well, maybe the charger was malfunctioning. Maybe the the connector was overheating and uh, and 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 lowering the rate. Kyle had a little bit of a different experience when he had a Lyric, but I don't think he um, charged it for as long as I did. I don't think he did a full charge session. So anyway, I rented the Lyric again, and I charged it a whole bunch of times um, on a bunch of different stations uh, from zero to a hundred on Electrify America on, and then I did it on 350 kilowatt EV go stations. And then I did, I still haven't fully digested the zero to 100 charge recordings. That's going to be a separate video. But what I did was I took a 20% to 80% session that I did on Electrify America. And I compared it to a 10 to 80% session that I did on a, uh, EV go station. One that I know is reliable that works whenever I'm going to use it. And the results were 
extremely similar. You can see the charging curve I have up there. Um, the the uh, it held a higher power a little bit longer on the Electrify America station, but it wasn't drawing as much power as it was on the EVgo station. You can tell those two charge charging curves are very similar. If you just uh, you know pushed over the the yellow line is the EVgo station for those watching on. Uh, uh, YouTube. If you just push that over a little bit, the, these these two curves are are extraordinarily similar. So you know the the point is that they just the the the, the lyric and to to a, a same degree the Hummer EV that I've tested it just can't I I can't get a clean session where it just pulls power and and slowly ramps down or pulls a straight line to seventy percent or eighty percent. There's always these extreme drop-offs where it'll charge for about 10 minutes and then drop way down to like 30 kilowatt and then slowly ramp up to somewhere around 80 or 90 kilowatt and hold that for a while. And then maybe it'll, it'll bounce down again, or it'll just hold it out. And I saw the same thing with the Hummers that I've, I've charged at least 10 times now. And it, it, the bottom line is that GM just doesn't have the charging on the Ultium platform down down uh, pat yet um I'm, I'm sure it'll improve but and and they have pushed out a software update on the lyrics since i did this these recordings and i'm getting mixed results some of my followers said i'm not noticing a difference another couple guys sent me an email saying tom you need to recheck it because i'm noticing it holds it holds for longer but the thing is w whenever people comment like this on all of our charge recordings they, I, I'm sure they believe what they're saying, but unless you map it out and record it, you, sometimes you, you don't really get the full picture. And, you know, unless you put it on paper, you might assume it's doing better, but you plugged in at a higher state of charge or the battery temperature was different. So in any event, I'm going to get another Lyric. I can't get the one that I've been using because he moved down to Maryland, but I'm going to get another one and do some charge recordings. And I basically just wanted to talk about how many miles per minute it adds, and I do that at the end. Um, and uh, uh, you know, the, the, you're going to get you're going to get a decent miles added back in the first ten or fifteen minutes when you're charging a lyric. But after that, it's it really slows down. You're talking about somewhere between two and a half and three and a half miles of range added for every minute, uh, and that's horrible after you've been charging for about fifteen minutes. So, um, yeah, GM's got some work to do on proving their uh, charging curves, in my opinion. The vehicle goes far. Uh, yeah, I went 330 miles at 70 miles an hour. But um, it's really great. It, yeah, if you've got a, if you've got a them wait, it took me 40 minutes to go to, uh, 20 to 80 percent, 48 minutes to go 10 to 80 percent. So that's just too long. They've got to get that whatever, whether you're starting at 10 or 20 percent to 30 percent's got to be at 30 minutes or less. It has to be in order if you really want a road trip. It should be closer to between 20 and 25 minutes, honestly, but 48 minutes to get to 80%. That's, that, that's, that's not acceptable. Really. It's not acceptable. No, no, not, not when your competition is like so much, but like twice as fast, you know, that's yeah. like not Tesla's, no you, know, you, you get them to 80% in under 30 minutes, all of them, no matter when you plug in. Yep. Yeah, that's. I mean, thirty minutes is like as long as it's under. I mean, yeah, thirty minutes. I mean, yeah. the lyric has a larger battery than like a Model Y, but it's still. Um, all right, so Martin, you have anything electric this week? You driving anything? No, nothing. The MG. You had to take the MG out for yes. stretch his legs, or did you sell that? <laughs> still Just kidding. Sell it. I'm really bad at selling cars. <laughs> I'm really giving you a hard time. Bad. I'm sorry. Uh, at selling them and. Um, 
Uh, yeah, what uh, what have I noticed this week? The battery, 12 volt, the little yellow light on the front of the Kona, which means, I think it means it's recharging the 12 volt. Like, I read that on a forum once, and I presume it's true. Um, I see that on a lot, so I wonder whether I've got a 12 volt problem incoming. You know, I had it a year ago um, and couldn't get in the car, so... Uh, I wonder if that's incoming. I'll keep an eye on that. Every time I walk past the car, the little yellow light's on. I'm like, is that just re having to recharge the 12 volt? What's draining it? So I'll keep an eye on that. Let me Google that for you. Little yellow light on Kona. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, all right. And for myself, I haven't driven anything new this week, but I did put up my, uh, my second leg of my ro- long road trip. Uh, still lots to come for- with that from New Orleans to uh, Austin, Texas. So that's up there live now. And I have it in a, a playlist so you can like watch them together as they come out. But uh, this week uh, at the Japan Mobility Show, Lexus debuted the LFZC, which stands for Future Zero Emission Catalyst, uh, a sleek luxury sedan. They, they didn't give us much uh, in the way of technical details, but it's an important concept because they say it's actually going to be in production in 2026 so what they did say is that it will use an in-house operating system called Arene OS and boast next-generation prismatic high-performance batteries, which they say uh, they aim to achieve uh, about double the range of conventional BEVs, uh, battery electric vehicles. I'm not sure they don't say what they believe the conventional the range is for a conventional. You know, so we don't know exactly what they're they're uh, aiming for, but I would. I would guess it's at least 500 miles. It would be 800 kilometers. Um, so that's something to uh, that's something about it at least. And and they did say it will be made with gig casting. So the main body will consist of uh, you know a separately cast front, center, and rear, similar to what Tesla is doing with the Model Y in in Texas. And they also debuted a flagship concept SUV, the ZFZL. But they didn't make a production commitment, so uh, we'll just have to wait to see how that develops. So meanwhile, it's Lexus, the biggest competitor to Lexus. So you can kind of take that to car in on the screen there if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, but the, bigger, the biggest domestic competitor also debuted a sleek electric luxury sedan concept, which, they, which will be its first EV when it goes into production in the same year as that Lexus, 2026. So say hello to the Infinity Vision QE sedan. So the contrast between these two cars, I don't think could be greater visually, taking into account that they're both low, you know, low roof fastback sedans. So whether the Lexus is like, to me, it's like a mess of confused character lines, but the lines of the Infinity really flow smoothly from front to back. And to me, I think it's a very cohesive design. Uh, say what you will about the, the front. I don't know. It could be polarizing. I don't know. I kind of like it. Uh, unfortunately, Infinity didn't release any technical details at all about the Vision QE, but it's known that Nix, Nissan and Infinity will be producing two new EV models at its Canton and Mississippi plant in 2025. So it makes sense that this is likely a 2026 model. Um, and Infinity also says it has an electric SUV in the works as well, a QE, QXEE or something. So I guess the question here has to be, are these too little too late? They'll have to go up against the likes of Mercedes, EQS, Lucid Air, BMW i7, like to name a few. 
But uh, what will Infinity and Lexus have to do to compete against more established models, Tom? What will they have to do to compete? They'll have to start making EVs and selling them. <laughs> okay, you know, right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, uh, this concept, uh, yeah, it's great. Keep throwing the concepts out there. Put EVs in your showrooms, and you'll be competing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sure, but I mean, it has, yeah. But so they put this in the showroom. So, like, say something like the i BMW i7. It's already been out there for a few years. It's a known quantity. The market knows what it is. It's a great automobile. Like Kyle loves it. Uh, nobody, nobody knew what it was before it came out, though. Right. So this this shows up in in the in the uh, showrooms where people, you know, if you you know like a known quantity, the quality BMW i7. You look at uh, Infinity slash Nissan's history, or or Toyota Lexus with their cars. Not the greatest experience. I mean, the Aria is is okay. I mean, a couple of big recalls, uh, but the, you know, the, the Toyota's the BZ4X. Well, there's mm. a lot of people that like the Infinity brand. Look, put out a car that looks nice, that goes far, that charges quickly, at a reasonable price, and it's going to sell. Uh, you know, people will give other brands a a, a try. A, a Dom, as long as it's a compelling product, that's it. Put a compelling product in your showroom. And you'll get you'll start to get market share. You know, it's it's nobody knew who Tesla was before there was a Tesla. Nobody, you know, pe people are buying their cars hand over fist now. So just start putting these cars in your showroom. Yeah, from day one, they're not gonna you're not gonna be outselling your ICE cars, but they have to start. They have to start putting decent products in the showroom. Get some people exposed to them. Get people comfortable with the fact that. Infinity makes electric vehicles, and they're good cars that drive well and go far and charge quickly. And and they'll they'll build a, you know a, a following of people that buy their electric vehicles. I mean, you know, it's not rocket science. They 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 can't. There's no special formula. Put out good vehicles at compelling prices, and people will come in. I don't think anybody will. I don't think it's a matter of uh, you know they have to come up with some. Uh, some grand new scheme to figure out how to sell cars. They know how to sell cars. Just put something good in the uh, in the showroom. They, they've been reluctant to do so so far, but let's let's see. Hopefully, this is a beginning of them pivoting and understanding that electric vehicles are the future of the automobile industry. Right. Uh, you know, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but you know, I have to throw it out there like that to you. No, like I know. Thought, I, I, like I just, you know, me and Kyle sometimes get a little short-tempered with these concepts and uh you know it's it's it, it just put the damn thing in the showroom stop showing us all these pictures of fancy cars that you're never gonna make look exactly like that and just start putting cars in showrooms right so i know there's a lot of skepticism say about like toyota because they've been so slow and their, their first product isn't great but like if you see there was a there was a uh, a poll a couple weeks a couple weeks ago you know what's the most trusted brand of EV that you would like to buy? I think, I think Toyota beat out Tesla, didn't? I think it was I've, like yeah, I read that one. Yeah, I've seen yeah. similar. I've seen polls where people say who makes the best EVs, and right, Toyota's right. number one. That was right, even before right. they put out the the, the BZ4X. So, they, you know, it's that's perception and reality can be two different things. Toyota right. so has we, a good reputation. So does Infinity. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm partial to Infinity. I kind of like what they do. Do you have some thoughts on this, Kyle? I really don't want to talk about this. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we can move on. I'm not sure if there's anything else really. I think we covered most of it anyway. Um, but yeah, I think uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I like the Infinity, and I really hope they can bring That's it to... That's the first time anyone's ever said that about an Infinity, <laughs> by the way. Really? Oh, I, I like some of their cars. And they sound, they, some of their older combustion cars have great sound. I'm not sure what the... I don't know what the uh, engine code is for them. I can't really talk about that. I forget. But I hear yeah, them the, on the street the, sometime, the, and I like how they wait, sound. The, the Nissan VQ engine that they stuffed in an That's Infinity... That is not a good sounding engine. That's like one of the worst sounding engines. What like are you talking about? I like they the sound like trumpets. Uh, Dom, we got to work on your car enthusiasm realm a little bit here. This is not good. Not good. And also, why are we talking about concept cars when Tesla literally opened up the network uh, to like sell their chargers to other people? Like That seems freaking awesome yeah. to me. It is awesome. That is freaking awesome. But that should be no title. We have Lexus and Infinity pitch competing concepts, which we had concepts. Yeah, I mean, but they're. I put them there because okay. So last week is this week is a Japan mobility show, and there are a freaking ton of concepts out there. But you know, yeah. some of them are like in the shot, like in some that. Uh, one Nissan SUV they talk about a little bit. It's like back in the shadows of an image. I don't even know if there's a physical thing. But you know, so I didn't. I did not mention any of those cars. These yeah. ones seem closer to production, or they're come, or they've stated. I'm just that giving they are... you crap for it because, like Tom said, that's what we have to do. Okay. Anytime a concept's involved, you know we're going to get angry. Okay. Um. Okay, I'll, I'll stop sweating it then. Let's see. Let's let's move on a little bit then, because uh, so speaking of Japanese automakers and uh, being behind a little bit behind maybe on electric vehicles, Honda has halted plans to develop a smaller, more affordable EVs with in a $5 billion program with the General Motors. I was going to say electric motors. Uh, originally, they agreed to this in 2022, April of 2022, and Honda CEO Toshihiro Mibe says the reason was a changing business environment. He said they studied the plan for a year or so before deciding to go their own way. And for its own part, General Motors says, after extensive studies and analysis, we have come to a mutual decision to discontinue the program. So it sounds like they're still friends, but, you know. Uh, so GM and Honda are continuing to work together on the Honda Prologue and Acura Z ZDX, which will be built on the Ultium -E architecture. So General Motors doesn't really need Honda for this. It's already got the Chevy Bolt EV, which it plans to make it in, in the future again with the Altium LFP battery pack. And it will still slot under the Equinox price-wise, maybe hopefully below 30,000. Honda though, despite selling the Honda E, a small hatchback, and then showing off uh, the, another small hatch concept a few weeks ago called the uh, Sustainer C, seems to be struggling with building small cars uh, with decent range, you know, small electric cars. So Kyle, GM is having its struggles, but at least they have a product in the pipeline, even if, if it's, even if it's delayed. And it seems like uh, it's DC fast charging is far from class leading. I don't know. What does, what does Honda have to do to have some success in, in the electric space? You know, Honda has to rethink their entire business model, their entire car line, because even if you look at the combustion cars, the Honda market share seems to be decreasing in general. And, um, you know, they, they need an entire overhaul. People don't appreciate Japanese engineering like they used to. And um, certainly they're showing they can't engineer anything amazing from the EV space because all of their cars honestly suck from the whole country uh, in the electric world. So... 
they really have to uh, they have to do a 180 on everything they're doing. So maybe it's a good thing they're halting this because if you're going to partner with a, a brand to build electric cars, GM doesn't seem like it uh, at the moment. And so uh, they just need to uh, they need to go their own ways. Like Sam is saying here, I totally agree. They need to really think about this as a high level, you know, back up, get out of the minutia of how, uh, you know, you think electric cars are used. Look at what the future of transportation will look like in the target markets where you're going to, you know, put the cars into. And then you have the goals right there, your design goals for the vehicle and then build it. And if it happens to come out expensive, well, compromise on price. But I don't think you should compromise on a usable product, uh, which is what they seemingly have done. They've made a car with no range, with very poor charging, and it's very expensive, the Honda E, which I love the Honda E, but, uh, you know, just like did not meet the needs of the consumer, which is why you never see them around. Right. Yeah, so I'm wondering if if uh, GM struggle with their Altium charging, if that's like a technical thing that, you know, Honda looked at and was part of this whole decision. I'm, I'm like, is that... Am I, is that too far out there? I, I don't think people really, I don't think the companies really care so much about DC charging or or they could make the car charge better if that was such a big deal. I don't think that would blow up a whole conversation between them. Martin, you're a much better company analyst than I am. Is DC charging performance seems like something that they could easily fix in the design iteration process of a car. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really confusing some of the steps these uh, companies are taking at the minute. Because they got, they've all got the right people working for them. And I think they're all terrified that Tesla arrived and showed them how to do it. And everyone said, what's this upstart car maker? They're never going to be profitable. Uh, and Elon's posting, you know, bankrupt memes. And then they sold 5 million pure electric vehicles. And then everyone went, oh, crud, let's all go make electric vehicles. And just added announcement after announcement after announcement in terms of capacity and, and gigafactory after gigafactory. And then the wait times went from 18 months, because it was you know, at one point 18 months a couple of years ago to get hold of a brand new. I think Audi was a, one of the really long ones. Um, and then supply and demand, which was all a bit wonky, uh, they sorted it all out, and now you can walk into a, a car showroom just like you can with any combustion car. Dealers have them on the lots, and you go, oh, I'd like that one, please, because they've got some in stock. And now everyone's going, a lot of the car makers as well, they're trying to sort of read their 10, 15-year plans and going like, oh, no, no one's buying EVs anymore. Stop, stop, stop. And you know what? In two years' time, when we get through this uh, this adjustment phase that we're going through, and it is just a readjustment, and you know Tesla's not sold 5 million, but they've sold 10 million vehicles, everyone's going to go, let's make EVs, everyone. Uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. The, at the minute, the car companies are being run by the CFOs, and the CFOs make a really, really strong case of, we just spent $9 billion here, and uh, and we've got EVs sitting on lots. Yeah, but you had combustion cars sitting on lots. It's called a dealer network. It's it's You want the business that way. You want dealers. It's how it works. And so dealers have finally got stock. It is, you're right. It, it's, it's so funny watching the industry at the moment that... It's sort of two years ago. I feel like the CTO was leading the way and the board were going, okay, we'll just make electric cars. We don't want to be left behind by Tesla. And I think that this year, the CFO's having her or his moment. And I think in two years' time, all these car companies are going to be, again, so far behind the, those that have gone no compromising on EVs. Right. And they'll be playing catch-up again in two years' time. 
The biggest thing that concerns me out of this isn't that they're seemingly like, you know, walking back their partnership. It's Honda's statement that we have abandoned our plans to make an affordable EV. That's flat out what the CEO said. We are abandoning our plans to make an affordable. It's not that we're abandoning our plans with GM. We we are not going to make an affordable EV. That that was more. We care. Well, because there's well, going to be other affordable EVs on the market. They're going to be chi- and, and yeah. they're going to be Chinese, not Japanese. Yeah, absolutely. Ex- exactly. But Honda Japanese, makes affordable car cars. Industry. Like the, Honda, the, Honda's not a, a premium uh, automaker. The, their whole right. ethos is making affordable transportation, but they're they're not going to make an affordable EV. So that's not really? n- doesn't bode well for for honda look, in my opinion look, we we had news this week about the stellantis cars the the small city ones like the little ec citroen ec3 and that like that's going to come to market with a twenty pound twenty thousand euro price tag and then they'll make a smaller battery version of that and uh, we did a i can't think whether we've broadcast it or published it yet but we did a um a battery bargain show and it's my mind is so fuzzy but one of our viewers said hey i'm looking for a you know, a second car that does 30 miles. And I'm like, yeah, that's what the car industry don't understand. I've got EVs that go 300 miles. Mm-hmm. I've got an EV like the MG that will probably do about 150 miles with 44 kilowatt hour battery. But I, when I sell the MG, I'll probably add something interesting to the driveway. Um, it might be I love the convertible smart cars. I, I really want the soft top smart, um, really do, and they're not crazy prices. And I'll have one that does the because my first Zoe, the the twenty two kilowatt hour Zoe, was like ninety miles, and you wait till it gets that 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 battery pack did not like the cold. Like the first time I got in it on a January morning, and it was minus five, and the Zoe said something like you know sixty miles range. I'm like, I've got to explain to my wife why her car, but. It doesn't matter because if that's your second or third or second car in the driveway that you used to do errands with, and that's it, it's cars that are fit for purpose and the use case therefore. And yes, we need Lucids that do 500 miles, and yes, you know we need Rivians and F-150s and trucks that are going to knock on 400 miles plus. But we also need cars that if they do 100 miles, that's okay. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. That's also it's like- okay. It's weird that I don't think Honda does. Honda have a, a besides the Honda E. That's that's they sell that in Japan, I guess, as well. But that's kind of expensive. That's it. And I don't think it was selling a lot. On the contrary, Nissan, which we, we give them a hard time, but they actually sell the Nissan Sakura, which is, it's a small K van, like a small van, I guess you could call it. Uh, and they're I guess that's selling pretty well in Japan right now. But they and also have the Honda E. Anyone. Oh, oh, yeah. Is that a, is that electric? Yeah. yeah, and it's in Europe or on sale. Oh, okay. I heard it's really crappy, but it's on sale. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, what is it? I think it was the. It's the uh, E colon N Y one. Yes, the E N Y one. And yeah. um, right. Uh, I don't. I haven't driven this. Um, I haven't got any friends that have driven this, but. Uh, I did read the Autocar article on it because uh, I like Autocar Express, all good magazines, by the way. Yeah, uh, I think they were really generous with three stars out of five. I think maybe mm. you know, I'd hate, I'd hate to be a publisher of that that ran advertisements from car companies because if you're sitting around a table going, well, we can't give it a one, we can't give it a two, and I'm sure that editorial and advertising are entirely separate in every large publishing company, <laughs> and that right. and that their star ratings are never ever decided by advertisers. Um, 
But I mean, <laughs> I think they were really generous with the three, by the way, three stars out of five, because it um, it was just okay. And I think what the, there was one really big thing. It was either the thermal performance or it was the peak charge speed. Or it was the curve or something. It was really dreadful. And they're like, yeah, so that's a bit bad. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that one. Bjorn, Bjorn has a bunch of videos coming. I haven't checked them out yet, but I plan to. A uh, huge Bjorn fan, of course. So he'll he'll have some gr- all the content our audience wants. Just go to Bjorn's channel. He'll have it. Mm. Uh, all right so i just wanted to go back to japan for a minute to the mobility show and talk about and we'll skip forward again to the other stuff again kyle yeah because there's so many bad things happening in japan in the auto industry and that's this show so right so is is the so is this toyota ipu <laughs> the name is Epu. <laughs> what? Why are we talking? No one wants to know about Japanese cars. Well, I mean, I do if they're if they're coming here, and I think this is going to actually come here, and it's and it's okay. a vehicle that I want. I would I would like buy this thing. So, except I mean, the name is really bad, but it stands for Electric Pickup EPU. It's like I don't know. Toyota has a weird thing with their their three letter acronyms, like the TRD performance thing, like it triggers me every time i i, I want to add a u to it you know anyway uh so it's a terrible name but this compact electric pickup could be what everyone has been asking for for years you know it's a unibody small truck like its competitors the ford maverick or the uh hyundai santa cruz and it's got a you know it's got a cool pass through between the bed and the cab which allows it to carry loads up to 18 8, eight feet long uh, despite its finished look though they say production isn't guaranteed. They've been working on developing this for like three years at least. Uh, they, they're still saying it's, the production isn't guaranteed, and they want to see what. And that depends on the reaction to the truck, like from I guess us and uh, you know the crowds or whatever. So Martin, putting aside your t- feelings about Toyota, <laughs> what what is your reaction? Just your big gut reaction to this pickup truck. I mean, I've increasingly thought I'd really like a pickup truck. Having uh, I went somewhere that they'd imported a Rivian and F one fifty to the UK, um, and uh, and both are look silly large on our roads. But um, I I've increasingly been thinking I really really want a. I've got no use for a pickup. I think like most pickup drivers, some of them anyway. And um, but I really want one. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Um, the, I think you know the more the more segments that go the go EV um, the better. One of our commenters uh, pointed out that the the the, the so called sort of softening or the rebalancing where there's not a year long wait for EVs um, anymore that you can that the supply and demand is even up. One of the guys uh, or girls in the comments. Uh, you know, pointed out that Akio Toyota, who is still chairman of the company, by the way, missed no beat at the Japanese auto show uh, to say, we were right, we told you so, we've been saying for years that EVs uh, won't work, we made a terrible one in the BZ4X, and hey, no one bought it, we told you so, we were right, what's wrong with hybrids? And I thought it was just a really weird place to do a victory dance. Like, okay, so EVs have failed, have they? Is that it? Are we, should we just all go home, turn the lights off? No, there's just been a rebalancing of supply and demand, and and the automakers knew there was a, a strike on the horizon. They absolutely loaded up with EVs because people want EVs, and so they prioritized making those in early summer. The UAW strike happened. It meant that you could still buy an electric car. Other ones, factories got uh, affected by the strikes, but they had EVs in stock, and so that's what's happened, and uh, that's why you're seeing EVs on dealer lots, and that's why you can get one from Tesla because they've got a million of them coming out of Shanghai every single year, and yet 
Mr. Toyota there, uh, or Akio Toyota, decided to, to take a bit of a victory lap and go, we told you, no one wants EVs. Listen to us. We knew we were right all along. So I have very, very little time for when uh, someone just celebrates making combustion stuff. And I'm like, man, I mean, hey, good good on you. you. You carry on driving your cars past, you know, kids' primary schools and spewing out combustion and giving people lung disease. That's cool. Well done, sir. Well done. You sleep well at night, sir, Mr. Toyota. I'm sure he does. Like, I'm sure he's got a great bed. I'm sure I'm sure his house is he does just fine. I reckon he sleeps really well at night. Of all the people that sleep well, I reckon he sleeps really well. I, I hear you. I, I get pretty frustrated. Oh, everyone's heard this speech, by the way. I watched last week's show back and thought my Toyota speech was far too long. I'm like, oh my god, everyone's heard that before. I'm not, I'm not doing it again. I'm gonna I'm gonna not say the T word until until New Year's Day. That's it. Don't ask right. me again. Well, I, I, I did want to talk about something like related to this one. I want to keep going, but I did want to get Tom on, on this on this truck real quick. Tom, well, yeah, it's, it's, not in this... it's not in production. You can't so, walk into a, you can't yeah. walk into a showroom and have a look at one. So there's no point. Right. So yeah, the size is nice. That that small, uh, you know, the pickup truck size. But Toyota doesn't need to rethink their their trucks. They already make great trucks. The Tacoma is a great vehicle. Just make an electric Tacoma. Really easy. Done. Right, Case right. closed. Put that out there. They'd, they'd sell the hell out of them. I would have bought one for sure. I've owned like six Toyota Tacomas, and uh, I would have I would have bought one. They don't need to reinvent the wheel. Toyota makes very good pickup trucks. The Tacoma dominates that segment, that size of a of, of a pickup truck. They dominate it, and just make an electric version. Uh, well, I think they're going to. But they're gonna. Have, oh, they're gonna. They, of they course, they're gonna. Two. They could have like a, you know the mid size, and then they could have like the compact. Yeah, they could have five sizes. Just make a damn electric Tacoma and start from there. They just re. They just made a whole new Tacoma this year. It's a, a totally refreshed. Right. Yeah, they could have. This would have been the perfect opportunity, and then put it out there and see what customers mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, even if it costs more, that's fine. But just give people an option. But no. Oh, look, we're thinking about making this electric there- pickup truck. You know, it's. It's the right size. It's going to come at the right time. Just put out an electric Tacoma. People would have bought. Pe- pe- people would have bought the hell out of it, in my opinion. I'm, I'm hoping they have at least have a prime version, like a plug-in hybrid electric version of this. The, the new uh, t- Tacoma. No, no word about that. I guess no, we'll see. In, no, in a no, few no. Weeks. I didn't hear that. If they do, they haven't announced anything like that yet. No, I haven't heard any announcements. No, but that would be like the minimum kind of thing that they would need to do. You know, to kind of you know further things along. They did such a great job with the, with the Prime, with the uh, Rav Four Prime. You know, I guess they're not. I don't know. If, I don't. I don't really hear a lot about that truck in in the in the U.S. Even it's like one of their quickest vehicles. It's uh, you know super super great. On you don't really need to burn a whole lot of gas. It's got great range, but we don't really hear anything about it. I know the the supply was limited for a long time, but. I don't know if that's still the case. Have you heard of something, Kyle? Still it's the case, the case still, because they don't want to make a lot case. of them. They do not want to sell them. Okay. They don't want to sell them. They they don't. The people who buy them don't really understand them. Some people love them. I know some owners that absolutely love them. I enjoyed the car when I drove it. Thought it was freaking awesome. And then you're like, oh, they're only bringing in five thousand in the first year, and I don't know what it was the second year. But yeah, they they obviously don't want to do it. Well, let's talk about somebody else then. Uh, so GM is uh, cutting back its goals. There seems to be a lot of like naysaying and doubt and a whole lot of, you know, so there was a headline in a inside a business insider or something on the EVs don't work or, or something to that effect. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of 
problem is because you know the market's slowing down. Uh, the retail market, the, the, there are a lot of automakers putting chopping prices. You can get a good deals on on EVs right now with, below MSR, MSRP by like thousands in some cases. Um, and GM is like cutting. I don't know what they're what's going on exactly there, but the Equinox is delayed by a few weeks, so it's only going to be at least a few weeks. I think it's probably a bit more than that. They're saying now instead of coming up by the end of this year, it's going to be only going to be out uh, in early in 2024. So that's like a, a small pushback there. Um, the Blazer is customers are receiving Blazers already, but there's no, you can't order them through the site or and there's like a whole lack of information on the site. It's like GM seems in like total disarray right now. I, I don't know. It's hard to use GM as the barometer here, Dom, because we don't know what's going on with Ultium, really. It, 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 are, are they abandoning that goal because they don't think that people will sell them? Or are they abandoning that goal because they've got some real issues with Ultium platform? And uh, we don't really know. It, there's a, they, they, every Ultium vehicle has been delayed, uh, the launch of the vehicle. So uh, I, th- I more take that as they have serious problems with this, with, with Ultium, more so than saying, well, we're going to hold off a little bit because we see the market is softening. I, I don't think that that's the case at all. And the whole market softening thing, I know a lot of people um, talk about that. And yes, it, it appears to be, there's a lot of reasons that contribute to that. Number one, mm-hmm. more EVs are being made now than ever. Okay, so the, the supply is going up dramatically. The automakers are starting to produce them in bigger numbers. Ford's making many more Lightning than they used to. Many they they doubled production of 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 Mach-E's over I think this time last year. They uh, so the the supply's bigger, and with a greater supply, it it might be starting to slowly outpace demand. Uh, there's still a tremendous amount of people that aren't ready for electric vehicles yet. This is going to be a slow rollout. It's not going to be like oh, all of our followers here want EV, so everybody does. No, every year a certain increment of the population is going to be more open and open to it. So I think that's that's part of it. I, I think it's also possible that some people aren't buying EVs now because they're waiting for the NACs to be native on the vehicle. Mm-hmm. I know my followers have told me, Tom, I was going to buy an EV this year, but I'm going to wait till 2025 because I want my vehicle to have a native NACs port. So I, I think there's a lot of, contributing factors here the supply right. is getting bigger you know people are are holding off for that next ev or that next uh or or the transition to next and and you know what's what's so bad about um you know not being able to charge over msrp and for the dealers to have to start discounting uh uh, uh, uh the vehicles like they've had to do with all of their ice vehicles forever so, mm-hmm. you know, maybe things are just starting to stabilize and we'll see continued, maybe the growth's going to be a little bit slower than what it was the last couple of years, which we were seeing exponential growth year over year for electric vehicles. So we'll yeah, see. I, it's it's still, it's too short of a period, in my opinion, of this quote unquote slowdown to really mm-hmm. understand why it's happening and if it's going to continue. Can I, can I have a, a little say from a European perspective? Um, Firstly, I've got two points. Firstly, these publishers that rely on clicks, you know, and we don't, we don't, this podcast doesn't, we don't, none of us, this is not our, uh, our business in selling clicks. Uh, there's good, there's good money and there's a good chunk of, of, of the population, not just the American politics or European politics of people who are 
interested in EV bashing articles. And we've seen it, I think, over the last nine months, since the beginning yeah. of the year. It really got ratcheted up. There's a huge amount of non-stories. I see articles in newspapers uh, along the lines of... Uh, um, uh, four, you know, four out of five mechanics say that there's a problem with EV batteries. And you read it, and there's, there's no news. That no, no one's made a study or a piece of news or an announcement or a car maker. It is simply opinion pieces or, or, or it's just made up. So there's just there's nothing. But it's there's certain news channels. You have them in the US. We have them here as well. There are certain news channels that say they broadcast news and they're entertainment. A lot of newspapers and publishers that sell on eyeballs do well with negative news negative news spreads quicker than positive news and does better and i'm you know from a country that has six seven percent inflation rate right now you know carl flip-flops over the atlantic from europe to the u.s and he sees this the u.s economy is on a on a rip and i i can tell you that from i watch it and i you know yesterday the your your data numbers came out yesterday the u.s economy showed uh, a 22 year uh, peak interest rates and yet a Q3 that had a 4.9% GDP growth in the quarter alone. Uh, that was up from Q2's 2.1 and overshooting any prediction. All of the predictions were, were going to be awful uh, from these economists that are paid so well to know what's going on. They were pretty like low fours and your US economy came in almost 5% growth on the quarter. Consumer spending is up. I'm watching, uh, you know, uh, online about people are spending hundreds of dollars to Taylor Swift gigs and Beyonce concerts and the world goes mad for, you know, Barbie movies and everyone's going out for meals and enjoying themselves. I don't look across the Atlantic and see a US economy in trouble. I see one that we envy. And we keep being told we're heading into recession. EVs aren't going to be bought because we're going to go for a year. We've got, oh, the US economy. Oh, recession's just around the corner. No one's going to buy an electric car and discretionary purchases. And your economy is on a rip. And we envy it. So yeah. can we just get away from this negative sentiment? It feels oh, like the whole podcast today. Up. Oh, Martin, sorry. You're frozen. Oh, ah. it's me. Oh, okay. It feels like this whole podcast today has kind of been giving oxygen and these negative bits of news like gm screwed up and that's their problem but let's not say it's it's indicative of the whole ev industry there's a rebalancing going on here but let's not write the ev industry off just because maybe gm got their predictions wrong or honda are backed out of something or ford have been dealing with strikes and are kind of going oh blimey okay like i get it but uh, hey let's take a reality check here your economy is in brutally good health I think uh, the interest rate does, is there is something to that. It went, it went up, you know, quite a bit earlier in, in the year, and it, it didn't really slow down car buying. But I think it it has caught up with it now because that interest rate is impacting impacting people's like mortgages and student loans. So it makes their their car buying budget smaller as well. So I'm not I'm not pretending but, your monthly payments but, aren't high. Right. I'm not pretending that the delinquency rates of uh, car loans hasn't hit a new high. The amount of subprime lending to people on car loans isn't a, a, an all time high, and people are missing mm -hmm. payments. I'm not pretending any of those things aren't happening in your, in your economy, but your economy is really, really good, and you shouldn't believe all of these negative articles that rely on you clicking on it and, and feeling this outrage. Mm -hmm. It's just not true. Right. And we have that problem here, too. But like, we, like you say, our economy is, by the numbers, doing really good. But if you ask half the people in the country, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's in, in, the, in the toilet. Like our economy, we're, we're almost bankrupt. Or, I don't know. Well, pick where you get pick where you get your news from. I think that's so. a lot of the issue, really. Like you say, media is uh, not. I don't know.
That's a whole another rant, but uh, sorry. No, that's great. Uh, so anyway, I'm sitting at a charging station, <laughs> yes! car, and uh, <laughs> have to say how nice it is to have 22 kilowatt charging in Europe. Uh, so you know something that's very rare in the U.S. is very common here. Three phase, 32 amp, absolutely sending it, and uh, have been doing quite a bit of three phase charging during this year in Europe. And I just wish we had that in the U.S. So forget about the economy. Bring three phase charging <laughs> to the U.S. Absolutely, I'm doing almost that good right here, Kyle. Oh, yeah, yeah, but think sure. about your losses at 80 <laughs> yeah, amp versus yeah. me at 32. Yeah, what's the difference? Sure. What do you think the losses differences are? Well, it's exponential. So uh, you know, I squared R. So you would have a significant more amount of uh, heat loss with Tom's uh, 80 amp unit than I would have with an equivalent 32 amp. But that goes on and on because it's how tight are the screws? Is there extra resistance in there? It would be so hard to know without doing a side by side. And we all carry, uh, we are just used to carrying our type two cables in the boot. So it's, you know, we have a lot of That's charging dispensers. Yeah, we have a lot of dispensers around here that are just 22 kilowatt posts that are just the post. But everyone has a cable in their boot, and it's different where you are because a lot of it's more tethered. Yeah, but I don't think I like the whole cable in the trunk thing because it's always like under my suitcase or it's like <laughs> under the floor and I have like something in there. And yeah, I, I do true. like it. I disagree. I like it. I wish we had that here. I oh, know okay. I keep my chi my cable clean. Uh, you don't have to worry about it being uh, – cable thieves in the middle of the night coming and mm. cutting off all the cables uh, on your public chargers. Um, you know, I, don't, I, I, I bring handy wipes when I'm charging in public <laughs> half the time and clean off the connectors and stuff before I grab them and, and, and use them. If I was using my own cable, it'd be nice and neat in my, in my, uh, uh, in my, kept in my bag. It wouldn't be like Kyle under, you know, 20 <laughs> Starbucks cups, with, you know, and dust and everything with no cap on it. I replace the cap on top of the connector every time I use it so dust doesn't get in there. So for me, it works. And I, I mm. wish we had th that here. I wish we, we carried the cables with us. It wouldn't yeah, be so all destroyed. Like well, laid on the ground, destroyed because I would run it over. I'd leave it at other stations. <laughs> and, you know, I give zero. My my view on equipment is I don't try and take care of my equipment. My laptop fell out of the car the other day. Like you know, I just use everything to its maximum capability and then replace it when it's broken. I don't, mm. you know, I'm not here wrapping up the cable when I'm waiting to go somewhere. But Tom, I know you're OCD about these things. Everything you go to Tom's house, all it, every cable in his garage is perfectly wrapped. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? My, I have two chargers in my garage and the cables are like over the car and one's under a tire and I've parked it on the handle, but I thought, ah, oh, whatever, I'll just leave it. Yeah. So, I do. I, I must admit to the OBC, o, OCD stuff. There's this coffee shop I go to every morning here in town and I have a whole bunch of friends. We all meet there in the morning. And when I go in, I rearrange. She has like a display case with like yogurts and eggs and everything. Before I even get my coffee, I arrange it all and put all the labels face and forward and, 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 and make it all nice and organized. Everybody makes fun of me. <laughs> Oh, by the did, way, did you work this, in retail? Do you guys see did, this one? This is an i4, but good spec, completely blacked out. Oh, yeah, it looks really nice, this particular <laughs> one. really like it. <laughs> Man. I, I, I was just going to say, your i4 looks amazing. Oh, you bought it because of us. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, here, he was. he's a podcast viewer. How about that? So you're on the podcast, <laughs> and it's an M50. It's a spicy one. Hell yeah! 
It's just four weeks old. What's the top speed? Oh, we have to go out now and try it. Yes. <laughs> so nice to meet you. Yeah, I'll say hey after the show. So that's the thing. You make YouTube videos and you meet cool people. Welcome to Kyle's life. Oh, we bought, yeah. we bought a watching, car because of you. <laughs> yeah, and he was watching our show and he, he heard that I was here. So he came by to say, and I just saw <laughs> awesome. it like there's a million cars coming in and out of this parking lot. But I thought, oh, good snack on that one. Right. Nice one. Right. Nice. Yeah, it looks that does look good. Oh, man. So let's talk about chargers then, I guess. So like, like we were mentioned at the top of the show during the EV News, EV News Daily Weekly reporting <laughs> roundup. Um, Martin mentioned that BP has spent like $100 million on superchargers, on Tesla V4 superchargers that they're going to install, I guess, at their own uh, own businesses. I don't know. What's, yeah. the, what's going on? Yeah, they've Is got that... the land. I mean, you think about the the, the fuel retail industry. Uh, they've got the land. They've got the often the grid connections. If not what they need, they've got a pretty chunky grid connection, especially in urban areas. Uh, you know, it, this land is so expensive that they're on, and uh, if it what it would be built on if it wasn't a, a petrol station, and um, and they're gonna and, and they're gonna put uh, V four dispensers in, and that's such a good move. It's gonna be great for uh, ice drivers coming in, and you know that they're, they're filling up at the minute. Some of them might have seen EV charges, or some of them believe these terrible news articles that EVs take an hour to charge. And they're going to be pulling in and seeing rows and rows of these electric cars charging as they go to get their gas. And they'll be thinking, ah, oh, maybe I should have a look at that because it looks okay. And what I find, I said this in the intro, what I find more interesting is Tesla adding any third party, and BP's the first, it's going to be like next. There's going to be a host of these announcements, no doubt, coming. Um, from anyone that buys Tesla hardware now. And I love it. And uh, we'll add, sure, we'll add you to our navigation and routing and all that kind of stuff. But if your network's not very good, we'll take you off. Yeah, so that's brilliant. I like that. What a, what a great gatekeeper moment for Tesla. And I trust them because they've got very high standards. Now, BP would point out they've got 97, 98% uptime on BP Pulse. It's somewhere like that. I haven't looked at the latest figures. And so they'll say, hey, we're doing okay. But um, this is a brilliant piece of news. I think it's it's pretty uh, pretty good for Tesla. They say selling our fast charging hardware is a new step for us. Uh, and, and one we're looking to expand, that's uh, Rebecca Tanushi. She's the senior director for charging infrastructure at uh, Tesla. Um, so this is coming to the states. So the first first of these will be installed in Houston, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Chicago, and Washington, and it's just part of a. So BP plan, BP Pulse plans to invest one billion billion dollars in charging stations across the U.S. by twenty thirty. Uh, yeah, and so this is a new revenue stream for Tesla. I'm not sure what kind of profit margin they're making on this, but you know Tesla makes their own chargers themselves, like on um, mass. Like it's like mass production of chargers like nobody else, I think. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there, Kyle, you know what other people are making, but um, yeah, 250 And they kilo. work. <laughs> but, right, and that's the thing, yeah. And So uh, these would be great if they're at like BP stations. I don't know, do we know whether they're gonna be at standalone like places or, because like you said, Martin, if, if drivers, if regular like gasoline car drivers see them at the stations, it kind of just raises their level of awareness. To, yeah, B you know. BP have also talked about creating some uh, sort of like these hubs and stuff in the US that'll be just, uh, that was a previous announcement they made. They'll be putting these into those and also on their own land where they, at the minute, pump gas. 
Yeah. Okay. The, the the nearest BP station to where I live uh, is on the map for having. Uh, they're going to be installing chargers there. They don't give a time frame or whatever, but it's all part of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. They got some of that chunk of money, so I'm assuming this is what we're going to see there, which would be really cool. Yeah, and there's a limit on Nevi funding per company. So Tesla will probably they'll bump up against their Nevi funding limit, and then other car companies can come in, buy the Tesla hardware, or other uh, companies rather can come in, like BP, purchase Tesla hardware, then they can go up against their Nevi funding limit, and that just gets more superchargers on the roads. This is I, this is a brilliant piece of news. Uh, I'm not forgiving oil companies for what they do. Yes, all very aware, very aware. Um, I think this is the this is the first little chink of the door opening. I think we're going to see Tesla as a big provider of hardware. I think this is like one tenth of what I'd like to see BP do as far as like spend. Well, yeah, it, like look, one billion dollars is like nothing. Like ten it's billion toe in the water. The, 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 the key uh, is software. The, the key is always software though, because the hardware. I'm not saying it's easy to make, but if you can get the software right, and they say it's going to come with plug and charge as well, that you just turn up, you navigate. So if if if, if other car companies can integrate a portion of Tesla's software into their navs and navigate to a supercharger and have a half the experience that Tesla drivers have, then everyone's onto a winner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, any thoughts, Kyle, on, on the, the BP deal here? Oh, so many. I don't think I could squeeze them into an hour if I tried, to be honest. Um, yeah, this is huge news. Uh, what it really does is it levels the playing field now. Uh, between Tesla as a network operator and a hardware manufacturer, uh, between them and others. The thing is, Tesla's at an inherent advantage because they make their chargers. Everyone say, you know, looks at the numbers and goes, oh, it costs Tesla no money to in install superchargers versus other stations. It'll be interesting to see when we first start seeing the installation, uh, you know, sort of grant request numbers uh, for those installing Tesla hardware with how much those installs are going to cost. My guess is a lot more than what people think it actually costs, uh, costs to install a supercharger because they're now going to be selling them at retail rates. And um, what, what it means is uh, we will have a solid, reliable, easily deployable charging solution uh, across North America for all to have access to. Maybe not all to have access to cheaply like Tesla, but all to at least have access to, which is what we've been needing. And so I think this in combination with Alpitronic launching in the US, with ChemPower coming to the US now, with some of the newest generation ABB stuff like Terra 360 and some other units like that, plus some Autel units that we're starting to see some of their high power stuff coming. We might actually have much better overall infrastructure to put in the ground because step one is putting stuff in the ground that will continue to work, which whatever we've put into the ground up to this point, other than superchargers, just hasn't then it becomes, how do you make money? How do you service it? How do you do all these things that, are easily runnable into the future. And now if you have units that work, we can have those conversations. So this is massive news. Um, you know, certainly uh, it, it's not the first time they've sold superchargers because there have been fleets that have had their own private superchargers like taxi services in Ontario or in Quebec, was it? Other places similar to that. But it's the first time they'll be for public network installations. So I just think this is absolutely great news. Gary, Gary Bush made a great point too. I wonder if BP went to Tesla. Oh, no, not that. I was talking about where. Oh, it's this one here. And if the second, will we see more oil companies jumping on the bandwagon? So, right, this is like a, 
it could be seen as a, like a shot across the bow to to other you know BP staking out. Okay, we're gonna we see some a future business here. What about the other energy companies like selling energy? It's kind of like their thing, right? I think they've all had their look at, sorry, Tom, I think they've all had their look at EV charging and other ways to expand their business. Right now, EV charging isn't the easiest thing to do. In fact, it's really hard to do different, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's really hard to do with high quality. And uh, there's not much of a business case right there. So other companies might be looking at them laughing. And to be honest, we don't know the outcome. We don't know what these superchargers cost. We truly don't know what the maintenance requirements will be. Part of Tesla's magic is they have their own internal Tesla supercharging service team. Will they get access to those with this deal? Will they have to pay for access with this deal? There's still a lot of unknowns. And uh, but But the good news is the hardware is solid and well-sorted. Um, and I right. think uh, I think other companies will, should at least consider going with one of these higher quality charging solutions uh, when they build out their networks. I wonder if these these uh, chargers, they're the V4 chargers, but I wonder if they're capable of the thousand volts, you know, five hundred amp or or more kind of power yes, levels that we expect to see from Tesla in the future. I was just out of V4 a couple hours ago. And uh, they're still hooked up. It was at this one in Cologne, Germany, and they're still hooked up to uh, V3 cabinets. And I'm I'm actually on my way to the Netherlands, of course, to charge on the V4 that's turned on in Germany. I think they they're not approved for use yet. So there's a few, maybe five or six installed, but they just haven't been switched on because I think there's a meter calibration situation that has to happen that maybe Tesla didn't know about or this was the plan. Nope, we don't know. Uh, But uh, the thing is they're all hooked up to V3 cabinets, like you're saying, Dom. So in the future, I expect to see a version four charger, not just a dispenser. And I would imagine all of these deals are based around the new V4 hardware, I think, because I, it's not like one of these is getting installed tomorrow. I think right. it's all all going to be the new charger plus the dispenser as that's going to be the unit to go forwards. Because I could, I could see where Tesla might keep like the V4, like the big stuff, like almost megawatt worth of charging for itself, and like sell, you know, V3 kind of level 250 kilowatt chargers to other, you know, retailers. Yeah, or they could have it as an option. They say, do you want, do you want low power, medium power? They remember Tesla used to do the urban supercharger thing. Like, there's a True. case for charging uh from from one kilowatt to a thousand kilowatts I mean, it just depends or even more if we start getting into mcs going up to uh you know three megawatt charging there's there's a business case to be made for all levels of charging to fit all different ideas and i think tesla is uh going to be there for the majority of those markets i think they'll have the mcs solutions for their Cybertruck uh, chargers that they're definitely going to sell to flying J and loves and all of these to install for drivers. Of course, this is just the beginning of that. So I think they'll have the high power market covered. They'll have the medium power for passenger vehicles, which I think V4 certainly serves the passenger vehicle space for the next five to 10 years easily. And then uh, maybe they'll even go back in time and spin up the old V2 stuff and get urban chargers out. Who knows? All right, so uh, we have to go here in a second. I just wanted to say oh, this is kind of a good little good piece of news I saw this week. Volvo Cars uh, to build EX30 in uh, the small SUV in Ghent as part of global production capacity boost. So Ghent is in Belgium, in Europe. So they can ship Volvos from Europe to the US and get around the uh, Chinese tariff, I believe. So that would be, that makes it, 
I don't know, it's a positive for our market. I'm a little bit surprised that they uh, decided to do that in Europe, though, instead of the U.S., but I don't know. Anyone have a quick thought on that? Uh, I think it's a smart move. They build uh, C40 and XC40 in Ghent as well, but um, based off of their carbon numbers, like they actually come out pretty dirty, those cars, based off of some of Volvo reports okay. compared to, I was just oh. with another automaker this week that I'll be able to talk about in the future, and mm -hmm. their electric cars leave the factory with just a tiny bit higher CO2 than uh, their combustion cars. Totally different than the Volvo story. So I was like, oh, we should do a video on this because this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I have an EX30 on order and Volvo messaged me this week and I think every EX30 reservation holder and said, we don't know exactly when your car is going to get here, but we do know it's going to be sometime in the next 24 months. And again, I don't really have plans to buy one for myself. I just thought one of my friends would want one, but I mm -hmm. put in a reservation. And they said, you can lease a open-ended Volvo car lease uh, now go there, get an XC 40 or a C 40 recharge. And then when your XC 30 or EX 30 comes in, we'll just end your lease at that time, no penalties, and you can switch into the new car. So if you need a car now, we'll give you fully flexibility, full flexibility until your new one comes. I thought that was such a genius idea. That's pretty nice. Yeah. It's good, like a customer service, but also a good business, uh, practice as well. Absolutely. And I have a reservation for one also, and I was deciding whether or not that was going to end up my driveway or possibly an Equinox EV. And now with the delays to the Equinox, it looks like more than likely I'll probably go through with the EX30. And um, that would be uh, my choice. I, I thought it was great when we saw it at the, at the, uh, the initial reveal. I haven't driven it yet. I didn't have an opportunity to go to that. The uh, first drive event I was, uh, I was busy doing something else, but um, I think that's going to end up my driver. I think we're going to get one. I think that's going to be our smaller kind of runaround car, um, but I don't expect it. I don't expect it for at least another year. So a right. lot can happen. In yeah, that time. totally. One, one, one year to maybe a year and a half, something yeah. like that, I think is reasonable, but such a cool car, high quality, yeah. the right size for being a small runabout great performance next port um also some of the rumors i'm hearing just from friends that work at volvo or whatever like they're really trying to get nax on the car at launch uh, mm. i don't know if that's true or not or how you know if that's going to happen but i know they're really aggressive on this whole idea so i don't know if that means they're going to hold up the car for even an extra couple months so well, i mean they were early run, but yeah uh, we'll see i mean initially they were talking what late summer 2024 uh, uh, yeah so, something so, like that so i mean uh, a couple of months, if you hold on for a couple of months, it's a 2025 model year. If they can get the engineering all worked out, uh, that would make, that would make a lot of sense. And that might be part of the reason why they're sending this out. Now they might've made a conscious decision to say, we're going to kick this. We're going to kick the car down the road six more months before we launch it. And right from day one, it's going to get launched with next. So that makes sense. Well, I'm pretty excited about this car and I like it, but we're going to have to talk about it again on the future show because I think this brings us to the end of this show. Um, so if you have any questions or comments, please leave them below or get in touch with us on Twitter where we are Batteries Inc. Pod or on Threads where we are Batteries Included Podcast. You can also follow Martin on Twitter or Threads at EV News Daily on Twitter. Tom is at Tomalog, that's with two M's, and Tomalog the on Threads. I'm Dominic on Threads and in real life. Kyle is at it's Kyle Connor on Twitter and goes by virtual Kyle on threads when he shows up there one day. Uh, don't forget, if you like the show, please give us uh, a thumbs up, 
click subscribe and tap that bell icon for notifications because we're going to have upcoming shows that you're going to want to listen to uh, next week, maybe a couple. Uh, so yeah, click subscribe, tap that bell icon for notifications. Thank you all very much for joining us. We appreciate it. It's great having you here with us. And we'll see you again very soon. Ciao.